Amen. Teaching others also, 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1 is our third time, our third session. We're going to begin in verse 12, but we'll lay a short foundation. I trust that you maybe have taken the time to listen to the first two, or you will. And when we pick it up in verse 12, we're in the middle of this incredible story. The foundation's been laid that Hannah is, is, is so burdened to have a son, a child, her first child, and for it to be a son. And she's at the altar at, outside the tabernacle. Eli, the priest of the day, is in verse 9, is seated by a post of the temple of the Lord. And he's keeping an eye on things because he's got two boys, Hophni and Phinehas, that are bringing all kind of mischief as priests under him, his sons. And so Eli is probably doing the best he can, but the very best he could would have been to put him out. You say, well, it must be, Eli must have been a bad father. Well, I don't know how come God put him in charge of Samuel then. You say, well, God had to do it because it was the chain of command. No, he didn't. God can do all kinds of stuff. God can take all his own laws. He can see him off into the future. He knows exactly what he can do, so he chose Eli. So Eli is trying to keep an eye on the house of God, and he sees this woman praying in verse 10. She's in bitterness of soul. And she prayed on the Lord and wept sore. I mean, she's, she's, in a, she's in a case, as we would say. She's having a fit here. And she vowed a vow, verse 11, which we talked about last time, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. She's going to dedicate this uh, firstborn and first fruit that opens the womb, and she's going to give it to God. So in verse 12, we pick up all this, and we've got the backstory. I'm not going to go through the first two 30-minute classes. We pick, up the back, we pick up the story in verse 12, and it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. That isn't he took a marker and went down there. He marked it as in took note of it. He's watching her closely. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. If you wanted to write a verse in there, this would be like Romans 8 where he says, the spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. She is in such a burden, her mouth's moving. You know, I don't find that uncommon myself or unthinkable. I, I found myself in many a situation where I've prayed like that. I'd say there's probably not a time goes by once a week when you find yourself praying, but you're not praying out loud, but and you, your lips might even be moving. But in this case, she is in a she is crying. She's her she's her voice isn't heard, but her lips are moving. But her voice is not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. Now, I think it's pretty, it's an honest mistake, okay? It's an honest mistake. I think it's pretty significant that God would put in here what Eli thought because there's a great lesson in it. And the first lesson is that you and I better be slow to judge. 
we need to be slow to draw conclusions. I mean, she went to the trouble to be at that place, pouring out her heart to God. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. So he's trying to guard the house of God. He's jumped to a conclusion. I joke sometimes, people tell people they jump to a contusion. That's what he did. He jumped to a contusion. Okay? And now he's rebuking her. And so it's possible that he had not seen somebody that sincere in a long time. Okay? And he was right to speak up, but he definitely missed the diagnosis. You know what it's kind of like? It's kind of like when people are just, they get in the habit of jumping to conclusions about things. So when he starts on her and he says to her, how long will you be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. I mean, he's given her what for? Verse 15. And Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord. Now she didn't get offended. She didn't retaliate. And so when we're censored like that, she didn't retaliate. She had cause to drink. <laughs> she was in, if you took Proverbs 31, she had cause to drink, but she didn't. And sometimes if you're just heartbroken, people may misunderstand it, be meek about it. And her meekness receives this compensation for a soft answer. And boy, I tell you what a blessing it was. So watch with me. Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord. I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Now, I don't know if you've given much thought to it, but there's an amazing thing here that God's doing. She's pouring out her heart to God. She gets misread completely by the man of God at the post of the tabernacle. He lights into her, which is ridiculous, <laughs> but he does. I remember the old preacher, Brother Wood, saying that one time, I heard him say this. He said uh, he was preaching away one Sunday morning, and it was kind of a hard message and not unusual for him, you know, straightforward message. And a fellow on the, sitting in one of the pews, not too far from the front, got up. And in fact, he was close enough that he sat, was sitting behind Miss Wood. He got up and he had to go out during the service. And as he walked out that back door, Brother Wood, you know, a, a, a switch kind of flipped in him and he said, that's all right. If you can't handle it, go on. Then he finished his sermon and he, this is Brother Wood's story. He, he told it on himself. He said, I got home and at lunch or whenever that afternoon, he said, Miss Wood said to me, hey, Jack. He said, yeah. Yeah. You know that guy that got up and walked out? He goes, Yeah. Said he had to go to work. He does some kind of emergency service, and he had, he leaned up and said to me, "I've been called out to work. I must go." <laughs> and Brother Wood said about himself, he said, "I felt about one inch tall." One time, many many years ago, I was on the other side of the earth, and I called the old preacher up and was talking to him for a minute, and I said, "What are you doing?" He said, "I've been sitting here thinking about." How many sheep us preachers have needlessly hurt through the years? 
And I felt like saying, okay, I got to go, preacher, <laughs> and go get in a prayer meeting myself. So I want you to see that these things do happen, okay? And each of the parties, Eli and Hannah, have to choose their reaction. Because they do happen. Now, we should minimize it. Even if we think something's going on, we should be a little more careful with it. But thank God that both Hannah, now, Hannah may not have got the blessing we're going to talk about if she'd got her back up. He said she'd been justified. You know, God's not looking for people who want justification near as much as people who want grace and mercy and his blessing. She showed respect to the old man of God and deferred to him. She said, in verse 15, now watch. No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I, I can, personally, I can picture her tone of voice, her inflection. It's a humble one. It's a broken one. I, I don't know that I could do it for you the way that I can hear it in my head, but it would be something like, no, my Lord. I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have not, I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Now, I'll be honest with you, it brings tears to my eyes when I think about it. When I think about how burdened she must have been, and then added on to that was the rebuke from the man of God. So we're about to witness an amazing thing, and we should learn from these, this passage. We should learn about humility. We should learn not to react back at times. You know, those two things I told you, those story Brother Wood told on himself and stuff, I'm going to tell you what, they've stuck with me. That was a long, long time ago. That was probably 35 years ago. And it's stuck with me ever since. And I say to you that as we see this story unfold, we see what God's doing. So in verse 17, then Eli answered and said, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. He said, well, he should have apologized. The greatest apology he could make was to change his attitude and spirit towards her. There's a lesson in this. Hang on, okay? And then to say, I'm going to make intercession with you. May God grant that petition you have. If you're not careful, you act like your standards, your beliefs, your, your, what you want is how everybody ought to do it and how God ought to do it. God may not say to you, well, I, I misjudged that because he's never going to misjudge, but he may not say that to you about somebody else. He may not have that man of God necessarily that he may just have him correct his ways by his example. Within your home, it's, it's good. You can say, I, I shouldn't have done that. Please forgive me. That's great. But if you're the one that got, you know, received the accusation, 
Why don't you learn to be a little more humble yourself? Also, get both things going together. So this is an amazing story. So let's read it and we're going to come back. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And I want you to focus with me on a couple things in this, okay? And we're going to start there at verse 18 and work backwards. Now, what if in your prayer life, what if in your desires for, for very, very good things, okay? And I'm not talking about a car or a house or money or job and all that stuff. You, there may be times you really got to pray for employment. I get that. I've had to many a time. But I mean, things that are really on a level between you and God. And you pray for them and you ask God for them and it's something special. And then God gives you a nudge and says, I'm, I'm going to do that for you. Trust me. So verse 18 to me is, is, and I've got sermons on it, preached on it. Some of them probably are on the website. But it says in verse 18, she said, let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way. Are you ready? Remember she wasn't eating before and did eat. And her countenance was no more sad. She had cast her care upon God. And the peace that passes understanding, Philippians chapter 4, the peace that passes understanding was keeping her heart and her mind in Christ Jesus. By faith. By faith. By faith. Are you getting this? Has she even had relations with her husband where she could know she is conceived? No, not yet. Does she have confirmation she is conceived? No, 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 no. She has nothing but a promise. And in the same way that the words of Eli in verse 17, where he said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. In the same way that that was a personal promise to her from the man of God, we have scriptures in our Bible. We have ways in which the Holy Spirit applies it. And he'll give us a promise about something. And my question is, will you do like Hannah and believe him to the point? Now listen, not put it out of your mind. Not have a, you know, a, a neutral thing about it, but faith. A faith that can go and be sad no more. Before there's any indication that something's going to happen. See how reading your Bible and just studying your Bible and these things? Well, there's a lot in this book, isn't there? And you see, that is the kind of thing that works in our life when we let it. I want to just take a few minutes then and review that because I'm going to probably stop right there. Well, let's read on for a couple of verses and we'll come back because this is the thing I wanted this session to deal with. Is you and I and others especially that you know, okay, may have great, great deep burdens that are genuine burdens and they're good burdens and they're good desires. And they may be going through it for a period of time. It says year by year they came. 
And then when God comes to you or to one of them and gives them a promise, the thing that is so important is that we take the promise by faith and we are no more. She ate and her countenance was no more sad. That verse has helped me. I can't tell you how many hundreds of times that verse has come back to my mind and I'm sure it's the Holy Spirit that does it for us. The Holy Ghost says, remember that verse? Remember that truth you, you've learned so many years ago? It's time for you to, to go about your day and your life, even though that thing has not come to fruition yet. And for some of us, I don't know about you, I've got things that I've been praying for for over 20 years. Over 20 years, specific things, praying for and people and it's involves in certain things. 20 years. And it threatens to make us sad. It threatens to make us heavy. And yet God's given us a verse and you claim that verse and you claim that promise and we're to go about our life. Not, oh, well, if it happens, it happens and I don't care and I'm going to be, da, da, da. no, believing, 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 believing. And I don't know that there's anything in the whole Bible. He said without faith, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. To me, that's a clear, clear description of salvation. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior. And then it says, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so I would say to you today that this thing is the core of everything. I am so excited and, and, and encouraged when I think about that she did eat and her countenance was no more sad. How did that start? So the woman, ready, went her way. She didn't stay at the tabernacle until it happened. That couldn't happen because it wasn't going to happen. So look at verse 19. And they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Think of how many times Elkanah and Hannah had been together and nothing happened. How many times she thought maybe this is when God's going to give me a child. How many times she hoped that something, and then it says, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and calls his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And I would say to you, I don't want to go into the next passage because I want to draw some illustrations here and then we'll go to the next passage, next session. But I want to say this to you. Read this passage. Think about it. Especially Mark where it says she went her way, so the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. You know, would you give thought to, to the fact that maybe, maybe, <clears throat> in your own life, there's some things like this. That's number one. Number two, maybe, someone's asked you to pray with them about something, and you may have gotten slack about it. And we shouldn't get slack about it. 
I don't know if you use a prayer list. I do. You say, well, aren't you afraid of just become a habit and become automatic? I would rather risk that than forget it. He gave us his word in writing. One fellow said, if you write it down, you've earned the right to forget it because you're going to go back to what you wrote. One of the great things about writing people's requests down and doing something, and, and I understand if, if you're somebody who travels a lot and all kind of people ask you requests, a lot, I know a preacher that he'll stop right then and pray for him because he told him he would pray for him because he may not write their name down. But I know of other old timers and they, have, they would write somebody's name down and they would add it to that list and it would be on there for their days. Years and years and years and years of praying for them. And they might not know they ever got prayed for. How powerful is it to receive a promise from God and embrace it and believe it? And if we really enter into it with the Lord, we cease to look for signs of it happening. We cease to put a time frame upon it. And we cease to be heavy and burdened in the wrong way to where it causes us to uh, not eat. It causes us to be sorrowful. She went away and she was no more sad, brother and sister. No more sad. You know, I can picture this and I don't know about you, but you know, you take 2 Corinthians 10 about casting down imaginations and all that and bringing every thought into obedience to Christ. I know that she would have been tempted to look at her situation and think, imagine them traveling home after that, that day, a couple days going home, etc. And she thinks to herself, you know, what was I thinking? And she would start getting that sadness. And she'd say, whoop, stop right there. She'd say to herself, stop, Hannah. Like I say to myself, stop, Michael. You've got God's word on it. No more sorrow. No more heaviness. You got nothing to plan on and, and, and no more sad. And I think of all the things that you could focus on out of this lesson is that we get this incredible benefit. Come over to Philippians before I close. You may not be, somewhat may not be, you know, as familiar with this passage. But it's an incredible passage. And it's a great cross-reference because of the context of it. <clears throat> All right? Let's go to the context of it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now watch. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And you ought to write in there second, uh, 1 Samuel 1, and you could put in there uh, verse 18 in the margin next to that verse. You know why? Because she took it to God, she heard a word from God, and she believed it. She believed it. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Lord, it's yours. I'm leaving it with you. I can tell you something. You will be tempted. You'll be tempted to, to almost become familiar with the feeling of sorrow. Like Hannah had become familiar 
with the emotion of sorrow that came with, uh, with seeing the other children, Penina's children, with the sorrow that came with, with being reminded in her own mind. I sure wish I had that. But she came to a point where she embraced a promise from God. Now, I didn't tell you go grabbing stuff out of there. She didn't obligate God at all. She received it. But understand that when we believe something, okay, here's one for you before I close. It's going to be a little tough at first. It's a little demanding because it makes us rein our thoughts in and bring them back to the promises of God. But if we really believe God, we should act like it before we receive the answer. So for Hannah, the promise, get this, this is amazing. The promise was the answer. The promise was the answer. Now, child of God, I, I can't imagine anybody within the sound of my voice not having to slow down at some point and say, all right, there have been times when I had a promise but I, it didn't affect me in my heart, my mind, and my emotion. Listen, it affected her emotional being. She went away and then she'd eat. Got her appetite back and her countenance was what? No more sad. I mean, I have written beside prayer requests. A couple of them, like I said, are well, well over 20 years old. I have written no more sad beside those prayer requests. You know why? I'm going to believe God for it. If it doesn't happen within my lifetime, I don't care. I'm going to believe God for it. So are you ever tempted to get that feeling of despair? You are tempted to, yeah, sure. And sometimes, listen, sometimes that sorrow of heart like Hannah had <clears throat> becomes a companion almost. It becomes something we're familiar with because it is, is related to our old nature, you might say, our earthly being. But then what we do is we cast down the imagination and we bring every thought into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. And then it, the next verse over in 2 Corinthians 10 says, having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You say, nope, I'm going I'm I'm to walk by faith even more. Now, she didn't go out and blab it to nobody else, by the way. If you're not careful, you're gonna, you think you're going to, I guess, maybe sub, some people think subconsciously, they're going to obligate God by confessing their promise. No. Someone close to you might know it. I mean, Eli knew it. It, it doesn't say that she shared the promise with Elkanah, except this. Before we close, verse 21, the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. At some point, she had to tell him, Elkanah, honey, I made a vow to God. And he opened up my womb. He remembered me. And he gave me this man child and I told him he'd be his. And so Elkanah, I, I don't want to go up until I wean him, because I don't want to go up and bring him back. I don't want to go up and bring him back, and go up and bring him back. She was wise enough to know 
that she didn't want to get in the habit of thinking she could bring him home when she knew in her heart she told God she would leave him there for God. You say, are there any parallels? There are. In closing, think about this. People do it sometimes. God will move you to offer to help somebody. He'll move you to do some kind of ministering to somebody or a calling or a missionary offering or, or anything you can think, anything that God will apply to you right now. And if you're not careful, you can put yourself into a situation where you don't honor that vow you made. Better to vow than to have vowed and not kept your vow, it says. So we learn from Hannah that once she received this promise and was she ate and was no more sad, her countenance, she also devised her life so that she would be determined to fulfill her part of the vow. God be with you. See you next time.